Welcome to Worldview, a foreign affairs podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Chris Dooley. We still have a long way to go before agreement is reached on the terms of Britain's departure from the EU next year and the future relationship between the two. But there have been significant breakthroughs this week on several key issues ahead of an EU leaders' summit on Thursday and Friday. Patrick Smith, our Europe editor, will give us his take on the latest developments. But first to breaking news from France, where the former president, Nicolas Sarkozy, has been taken into police custody for questioning over allegations that he received millions of euro in campaign financing from the late Libyan leader, Muammar Gaddafi. Lara Marlowe joins me now from Paris. Hi, Lara. Hello, Chris. Um, So, Lara, what's the background to this story? Well, as you know, Chris, um, Sarkozy has always been involved in multiple, multiple financial scandals. He's been cleared in three of them. But if uh, at the end of his detention today, or actually tomorrow possibly, because police can hold him for 48 hours, if at the end of it he is mis en examen or formally placed under investigation for illegal campaign financing, um, he will have two ongoing uh, financial scandals. The other one also involves, uh, all of them have involved money. The other one is what they call the big million affair about illegal financing of the following campaign. Anyway, the 2007 campaign, uh, <clears throat> there are at least seven different sources of information being considered by three investigating magistrates. Um, the first one is a, a middleman, a, a Lebanese businessman called Ziad Takyadin, uh, who swears that he uh, carried five million euro in cash from Tripoli to Paris, uh, at the end of 2006, beginning of 2007, and that he gave uh, money to Claude Guéant, who is also under investigation, who um, was then Sarkozy's cabinet director. Uh, Sarkozy, you, you remember, at the time was the French minister of the interior. So he was a man responsible for the police and the forces of order in France, and he's accused, uh, or suspected, we should say, of having accepted this money from Libya. Um, then the second Libyan source uh, is called Abdullah Senussi. He was um, the director of military intelligence for the Libyan regime, for Colonel Gaddafi. Uh, he also he confirmed what the first source, uh, Ziad Takidin, said. And then a third person, uh, Shukri Ghanem, uh, who died in very mysterious circumstances in 2012, um, he was the Libyan Minister of Petrol, and his notebooks were uh, obtained by the French justice system. And they also uh, have a record of cash given to Nicolas Sarkozy. And then, uh, another, yes, another Libyan source, a man called Bechir Saleh, who was a financier to Gaddafi, and he was basically the man who was in charge of Libyan relations with France. He told Le Monde newspaper that Gaddafi financed Sarkozy. Uh, now, there are also, uh, apparently, the judges have talked to former members of the UN, what is now Les Républicains LR party, but was then called the UMP, Sarkozy's party, and they said there was loads of cash floating around uh, during the campaign. So we were, we're trying to get to the bottom of where this cash came from. Do we know, Lara, how much cash Gaddafi is supposed to have given uh, Sarkozy? Has anybody put a figure on all of this? Uh, I have. Th- there are. Uh, there is evidence, I mean, according to Mediapart, which is the website that launched um, this whole scandal back in 2012, they said he received 50 million euro. 
that suitcase carried by Ziad Takuddin contained five million allegedly, and there are. But there was also a report of uh, three suitcases filled with banknotes of uh, 200 and 500 euro banknotes that were delivered to the Ministry of the Interior between uh, 2006 and 2007. Uh, now, Ziad Takuddin uh, told investigators that he handed over these suitcases to Claude Guéant, the cabinet director, in the presence of Nicolas Sarkozy, and he, and he knew that Sarkozy knew what was in the suitcases. So we're talking basically about up to 50 million euro. And what do we know Sarkozy was, was what, what was he doing in return then for Gaddafi and for Libya? Was there evidence of favours returned at any point? Uh, Gaddafi made a state visit to Paris shortly after uh, Sarkozy's election in the summer of 2007, and his human rights minister, almost resigned over over the the visit, uh, Sarkozy set up his tent in the garden of the palace. It was quite a story at the time. And he brought his female bodyguards with him. And he he looked like he was stoned and he was going around Paris. He stayed for two or three days. It was all extremely embarrassing. But the assumption was that this state visit, this red carpet treatment of Muammar Gaddafi, uh, was motivated by the cash he'd given to Sarkozy. Now, um, it's interesting that one among the reactions to Sarkozy's detention today, uh, the Florian Philippot, the former National Front um, right-hand man to Marine Le Pen, uh, says, now we will find out what was behind the war in Libya. Uh, now, he may just be making this up out of his head, but Sarkozy subsequently turned on Gaddafi, and you remember that, that Britain and France led the bombing of Libya, and which, which led eventually to uh, Muammar Gaddafi's death. So, you know, was, was he trying to silence Gaddafi? Uh, who knows? Um, but it all is very murky, uh, very suspicious. And uh, he's in uh, police custody now as we speak, um, Sarkozy is. So what are the possible next steps in the investigation? Well, as I said, he can be held for up to 48 hours. Uh, if he is placed under inve- investigation, mise en examen, which is almost the same as being charged uh, in, in British-based uh, law, British-American-Irish law, uh, there's a whole string of, of um, charges upon which he's being investigated. They are active and passive corruption, influence peddling, uh, counterfeiting, uh, abuse of uh, public funds, uh, and money laundering and complicity in um, laundering money or, or, or all, all of this, complicity in all of these uh, offences. That, that is a list of what he could be charged with. And as you alluded to there, Lara, this is not the only case or allegation against them. There are other, are there still outstanding allegations of illicit campaign financing that Sarkozy is dealing with? Yes, the Big Million case. Uh, which was basically a company called Bigmelian, run by two acolytes of Nicolas Sarkozy, who were billing huge amounts of money for um, campaign events in 2012. And then it, it was just a way of cooking the books because Sarkozy um, went way over the limit on campaign funding. So they were but basically putting money into the company that wouldn't count as money spent for on, on the campaign. Uh, it was a very complex uh, montage of, of uh, accounting tricks 
and he is still under, under investigation for that. He has been cleared in several other scandals. At one point, I think I counted up to eight financial scandals involving Sarkozy. It's, uh, to tell the truth, it's a bit difficult to keep track of them all. But this is the first time, I think, that he has actually been taken into custody, isn't it? So how has the news gone down in France today? Uh, it's, a, it's the big story of the day. I think that Les Républicains, his, former, his party that he led and was president of, um, is a bit in shock. Its new leader, Laurent Vauquier, has not yet expressed himself. There was a very kind of tame, weak uh, expression from an underling who just said, we express our, our friendship and sympathy for Nicolas Sarkozy and reminded uh, radio listeners that everyone is innocent until proven guilty. Um, so, you know, we'll be seeing, and that actually it is important to remember that in as much as Sarkozy has been cleared in three other scandals. But, for example, in the case of Lilian Betancourt, who also was accused of uh, financing his campaign, she was France's richest uh, woman, richest person in France, and she, she died, I believe it was last year. And he was accused of taking advantage of her weakness to take millions of euros from her for his campaign. And that was dismissed, but not because he was proven innocent. It, just, it, was, it was dismissed because the judge said there wasn't sufficient evidence to prosecute him. Okay, so Sarkozy's uh, fans and supporters say he, he was cleared. He wasn't actually really cleared. And the judges said very clearly in, in their summation that there was just sufficient material, insufficient material evidence. And, uh, Lara, Sarkozy attempted a political comeback last year. Now, we know he was president up to 2012, failed to gain re-election, attempted a comeback last year, but failed to get his, his party's nomination. Um, did he still have or does he still have political ambitions? And, and if he does, is, is this latest development uh, the death knell for him? Um, he says he not, has no more political ambitions, uh, but he'd said that before. I, I think he probably would uh, still have ambitions. Um it's hard to kill a bad thing, Chris. <laughs> uh, Sarkozy had been, you know, left for dead politically many times before, and then he tries a comeback yet again. At the moment, I mean, until he was called in to the police station in Nanterre this morning, uh, he's making piles of money by giving lectures around the world. Um, he, he gives a few newspaper interviews. He's involved in some charities. He's supposed to give a speech very soon in, in London. Uh, he, he has a lot of financial links with Qatar. Uh, he's on the board of the Accor um, hotel chain. So he seems to be getting richer while he's uh, in, in retirement. And we'll see... I mean, I'd be, I've covered a lot of financial scandals in French politics, and there's, always, there's usually an element of truth in them, but aside from, I, I can think of one or two sort of second-rank politicians who did go to prison, but they usually get off. Um, there's a Jérôme Cahuzac, the, the budget minister who was cheating on his income tax and sending his money secretly to Switzerland, uh, is appealing a prison sentence at the moment. He, he is a socialist. But usually there's, there's a big scandal, a trial uh, sometimes, and then they always seem to kind of wriggle out of it. Uh, and I, I would be surprised if, if Sarkozy ever went to prison. He might get a fine. Um, but he, he's a very uh, shrewd politician who covers his tracks. Um, and I think 
Libyans in general at the moment with a country in civil war and Gaddafi dead and, and so on, I think there might be a bit of an attitude of, well, how credible are these Libyan sources? So sounds like you're not writing him off yet. Anyway, Lara, thanks for that. Thanks, Chris. Next, we go to Brussels, where negotiators for the EU and the United Kingdom announced on Monday that conditional agreement had been reached on the terms of the transition period that will follow Britain's exit from the EU in March next year. Our Europe editor, Patrick Smith, joins me now from Brussels. Hi, Paddy. Hi. Paddy, um, after months of stalemate and false starts and, and misunderstandings and so on, there was a feeling on Monday that there had been some significant breakthroughs um, and, uh, you know, in these kind of very, very difficult negotiations between the EU and the UK. What were the most important developments in your view? Well, it's certainly important from an Irish perspective that the, the British have agreed to include legal language in the uh, withdrawal agreement uh, that, will, that will cover a backdrop um, uh, stopgap um, back, back yes. position. Back, sorry, that will cover uh, a backstop uh, in the border uh, issue, uh, and that is specifically a fallback position. What what Simon Coveney calls uh, our insurance policy should all other uh, agreements uh, fail to provide the sort of uh, possibilities for uh, a frictionless border that that everybody is hoping for. So it's not actually something that anybody wants to go down, but it is a useful mechanism that uh, we can require the British to, to implement if, if, they are, uh, if they're unable to come up with anything else. Uh, this is a uh, significant uh, development, uh, but I wouldn't say a major advance. I got a note uh, this morning from a senior Irish diplomat complaining that I had missed uh, understood this and that I was underestimating its importance as a major step, which he said Barnier had described it as. Uh, I think what we have is a reiteration of uh, what was agreed in December, and uh, to that extent it's important and it's worthwhile uh, putting in the back pocket for, for Ireland. But, but there, I mean, there are two ways of looking at it, aren't there, Paddy? I mean, when we had an interesting reaction from Fianna Fáil yesterday, the main opposition party, which, of course, keeps the government here in, in power, and Stephen Donnelly, their Brexit spokesman, said that this deal was a retrograde step. And I think his point was that, you know, negotiations are now continuing on on this transition period, that this 21-month transition period after Britain leaves the EU, and we still haven't resolved the border issue. We still don't know what this backstop will be or how, what it will look like um, if it's needed. No, it's true to say that we don't. Uh, on the other hand, it's been made clear by everybody that nothing is agreed until everything is agreed, uh, that there will be no withdrawal agreement as a whole unless the British come up with a backstop arrangement uh, for, for, for that treaty. And so they won't actually be able to get an agreement on, on the future relationship, which is the critical talks that they should be starting shortly uh, on, on trade, uh, they won't be able to get uh, agreement on that unless at, at some point they come back and, and fill out the withdrawal agreement with, with an agreement on, on, on the backstop. I suppose, Paddy, we should just not, because the, the Brexit story is one in particular, there's so much terminology and like lingo around it, just to remind people what the backstop is. I mean, essentially, the, the, the hope is that Britain and the EU will be able to come up with a trade agreement, which means that there'll be no need for any concerns about the Irish border or friction. We'll have a, a comprehensive trade agreement and the Irish border won't really be, be of significance. But 
if there's a failure to do that, Britain has agreed that um, this backstop, that ultimately Northern Ireland will be treated um, essentially as a, with the, sa- the same regulatory regime as will apply in the Republic. Um, maybe just explain that a little bit better than, than I can explain it here for our listeners. Uh, no, that, that's pretty, pretty well right. I mean, the, uh, the deal would involve Northern Ireland remaining part of the Customs Union. And it is thought, and this is where the British get very upset, that this can only be done by putting a border down the Irish Sea so that goods travelling from Northern Ireland to the rest of the UK would be facing customs checks. Now, that's something that's inconceivable for the British and why they have retreated from the language which the Commission came up uh, with when it tried to put the backstop into legal language uh, in in its... uh, uh, withdrawal agreement uh, text. So it, it, is a, it is very much, from the British point of view, something that they don't, don't want to go down, and they are very anxious to postpone uh, the possibility of having to admit that it would actually require uh, a border down the Irish Sea. Uh, but they haven't come up with alternatives, uh, and that's where uh, putting it slightly on the long finger has helped them out. And should it be of some concern to the Irish government that the Democratic Unionist Party, um, which of course is keeping the, the Conservative Party in power in, 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 in Westminster, they seemed entirely unconcerned by this week's um, um, agreement. Um, does that not indicate that maybe Stephen Donnelly has a point? Uh, the Democratic Unionist Party has a problem with the December agreement, with even the reference to the backstop. Uh, in uh, in the treaty. What they don't have is uh, any problem with this particular uh, agreement at this time because it's actually fudged that particular issue. And we're now back to the December fudge in, in, in effect. Um, so we shouldn't be unduly worried. There is, no, um, there is no question but that the British have to come up with a formula which would be acceptable uh, to um, the, the Irish government. And Paddy, just widening the lens slightly for a moment, what else would you say were, were the main um, concessions made on, on each side in this agreement or, or provisional agreement that was announced yesterday on Monday? I think uh, basically that, that we've completed the discussions on, on transition successfully. and uh, That meant that there were important changes by the British, for example, on citizens' rights. Uh, they've agreed that citizens who arrived during the period of transition from the EU uh, will we'll be entitled to precisely the same rights as they have at the moment before Brexit. Um, there is also a change in the length of, of the transition to from two years to 21 months, which uh, they, they have agreed to. Uh, and the, the EU has, has loosened up its language on the right of the British to negotiate trade deals with third countries during this period of transition. Uh, they will now be able to negotiate trade deals, but not sign them until they've actually until the transition period is is over. Now that's uh, significant because there are something like 750 uh, international agreements signed by the European Union to which the UK will no longer be party when it leaves the European Union formally, and it has to um, basically renegotiate. Uh, at a minimum, all of those agreements. Now, it's hoping to do much more than that. It's hoping to get ambitious trade agreements for itself in in that period. And the fact that the EU has let them start to do that while the transition is on is an important concession. And and what, Paddy, was the significance of the 21 months versus Britain wanted a slightly longer transition period? Isn't isn't that correct? 
yes, it, it did. I mean, and, and, and people are skeptical about whether or not all the work that needs to be done on, on the uh, future relationship talks can be done in, in that time. It's, it's, not, uh, it's not a given by any chance. Uh, but uh, the, the, the real thing for the European Union was that 21 months will see the ending of the current EU budget, uh, budget um, period. And uh, therefore, there won't be any need to, to renegotiate British financial contribution for a period after that budget is, is over. Uh, so it was much simpler to say 21 months rather than two years. And Paddy, we have a summit of EU leaders this week on Thursday and Friday. What are we expecting from that? The summit is, is a two-day summit. It starts on, on, on Thursday. On Friday, there will be a discussion at 27 of what are called the guidelines, which are the uh, outline proposals by the uh, Council of Ministers for the talks on the future relationship. Um, there is unlikely to be any serious dissension on that. The British won't be present, so the opportunities for a um, substantial row are, are, are lessened. And the, uh, Michel Barnier will give a report on the state of the other negotiations in which he will refer to the agreement reached uh, over the last few days and as, uh, as basically a substantial, significant progress. Uh, that that would be sufficient for them to allow the guidelines discussion and the future relationship talks to go ahead. And where do negotiations go then next, Paddy? What are the, the, the milestones we should watch out for from here? Well, we're still dealing with the issue of what sort of relationship the uh, UK wants to have with uh, the EU. Most people now believe uh, that with all the red lines that they have drawn, that we're looking towards something uh, like a free trade agreement that Canada has with, with the European Union. Uh, people have talked about Canada plus plus uh, is what the British would like with, with extra um, provisions for, for uh, services, financial services in, in particular. Uh, it, 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 that shape of a new relationship is what the next round of talks will, will go into. It's, the devil's in the detail too, so it, it'll be a very long and very complicated series of talks. Okay, Paddy, we'll leave it there for now. Thanks for that. That's all for this week. For more on these and other stories, go to irishtimes.com. Thanks for listening. Goodbye for now.